the News and Observer. I'm Dawn Vaughn, your host for this episode of Under the Dome for the week of Monday, May 29th, 2023. I'm here today with Artis Watkins, who is the Executive Director of the State Employees Association of North Carolina. So thanks for being on. Thank you so much. We really appreciate uh, coming on here to talk about scenic. Um, well, let's go right into the, the big issue that uh, is going on right now is the conference budget process where the House and Senate decide how much they want to spend on various things. And obviously the big thing that um, that a lot of people, that tens of thousands of people in North Carolina look to is how much is my raise going to be as a state employee? And it's a big problem. Um, you and uh, different state agency leaders had a, a news conference this past week talking about it. It's been, as you said then, it's not news that all these things that have been going on for years with vacancy rates, with retention, with pay, with inflation, with all of it, and it's costing the state regardless of what they do. So uh, where where are we now in how much of a crisis this is? Because that's the word that's being repeated a lot. So we, we've been in a crisis situation with staffing at prisons for years, and when everybody in the public kind of got to know about that was when there were four murders um, during an escape attempt, and that prison was at 33% vacancy staff-wise at that time. And that's what people think of if they think of vacancies in state government since that time, since COVID. Like every everywhere, you know, everybody's having a hard time keeping employees, but it seems to be a problem on steroids in state government. In fact, it's worse than any other you know, local government or anywhere. It is um, now to the point where those same prisons are at over 50% vacancy. But the other problem is that things like DHHS and um, you know, DOT, things that affect everyone's everyday life, are at critical vacancy rates. Overall, we're at 25% vacant. That's you know one out of every four state positions being vacant should alarm anyone, if nothing else, because you're paying for 100% of services and you're getting, at best, 75%. What do you think that does to the people that work there and suddenly they have a, a higher workload and the same pay that they had when it was fully staffed, mm-hmm. um, but the workload is there. You can't have 25% less work to do just mm-hmm. because you know the people aren't there. So what are you hearing from state employees as far as how that affects their their work day-to-day, their morale? Uh, Well, the state employees are telling us a couple of things. Number one, depending on their job, they're telling us about the things that are just flat-out unsafe for the public and how that weighs on them. They're also telling us about the incredible morale problems it causes them. If they've been around long enough, they're just deeply disillusioned and disheartened and but don't feel like they can leave because they have so much time in with the state. But if they're newer with the state or, or even, you know, up to the 10, 15 year mark, they're leaving. 37% of state employees leave in the first year they work here. That's, that's a problem because you're investing in those people. So what does Scenic do as far as your role with, with the budget, with broader, um, you know, trying to get the best you can for state employees? What do you all do? So, I mean, we advocate for pay health care and retirement by going to the General Assembly every day. We have four lobbyists on the ground. We work with agency heads to try to figure out what their what their issues are, and they've been great. The agency heads have done an amazing job 
lobbying for their employees and for the public, but you know they need backup, and that's that's what we're there to do for employees who don't feel free. They they can't possibly feel free to go and tell the stories of how many things are unsafe or what the public's not getting and how outrageous it is and how much money we're we're just burning up in dollar bills when we train people just to watch them walk out the door. So that's what we're there to do is to fill that role and be their voice. So what are you all doing now as, um, you know, the Senate budget has already passed there. I mean, it's, you know, the same thing happens every budget cycle. The House wants higher raises than the Senate, and then they have to sort out the middle ground. Of course, it's Republican. Uh, it was, has been Republican majorities in each chamber. It's Republican super majorities in each chamber now. So it really is Although Cooper is a the governor's a factor, it's really they can get what they want with the budget. So it's within this political party's um, goals for what they want to do. So are you all? I mean, are the lobbyists working now? Is this like the the peak time versus when it was just the House developing its budget versus the Senate as far as what these final numbers are going to look like for raises? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you just nailed it it's always the house tends to come in on raises a little higher than the senate and then it shakes out usually somewhere in between the the work we've been doing recently is very different than what we normally do towards the conference report and that is to highlight to the leadership as they sit down together again the money that they're already spending so we want to point out that we're at least 500 million dollars of what we're asking for they're already spending anyway. They're just spending it on turnover. So as they go into it, we want them both to know they can spend more money and still be doing the fiscally conservative thing. Because of course, the last thing you ever want to do is ask leadership to do something that looks like it's betraying their base by going and spending, you know, spending even more money on, on employees. But here, it's spending the taxpayer money for something actual for services. So how much is the, the taxpayer money a factor when, I mean, they're all tax, taxpayers are already funding this, you know, regardless, right. and they have to. There's not like, would there be potential Hudson services if they, so this past week, you know, Labor Commissioner Josh Dobson, who's a Republican, these different state agency leaders who are all Republicans, and again, that's where the, the negotiations are going on right now. He was there and represented us from um, agriculture, which is led by Republican Steve Troxler, from insurance, which is led by Republican Mike Causey, um, and then um, Superintendent Catherine Truitt also um, you know, put out a statement that way. She's also a Republican about wanting more money for these state workers to um, that are you know putting in the work that they need to retain. That you know everything is needed for these agencies. And Dobson mentioned that um, elevator inspections could be delayed every. One said, you know, he's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not to make light of it. People joke about how, because, of course, former Labor Commissioner Barry, you know, put her photo in the elevator. So everyone thinks about the, um, you know, the elevators with labor, but also everyone rides an elevator. You really don't want that elevator to break That's while you're on it. So it's serious. Yeah. Too. yeah. And you mentioned bridges. Inspectors. Yeah. Bridge inspectors for DOT. I mean, we have rabies testing. That's one that really got my attention. And over off of Blue Ridge Road, we have a couple of refrigerated tractor trailer trucks with the bodies because autopsies are taking up to nine months now. And that's not because the DHHS employees are not working every physical moment they can. It's because we don't have enough people. And 
these are aspects of state service that hopefully won't affect people. Hopefully people don't direly need to know if an animal that bit them is rabid, but it happens. And it happens, you know, a lot more than people would think. There's so many examples like that. The forest fires that raged for five weeks, you know, with 80% capacity staff fighting it. What if we had another one break out? That's not unusual. And if we have a hurricane, we have a major problem. Yeah. So where are we, like, what's what's next? I mean, the final, the Senate um, proposed raises, I think, was 5%, and the House was 75 Is that right? That's correct. Um the House was, yeah, the House was seven and a half, Senate was five. What we believe would be enough to not fix the problem, but keep the avalanche of people from continuing to slide away is 5% in the first year, 5% in the second year, and a meaningful, but like a $5,000 bonus spread out over one year for retention, purely retention. We're doing sign-on bonuses and things like that. We need to keep the people we have. We wouldn't have to desperately look for people to sign on if we could keep people. So, you know, it's chicken and the egg kind of thing that we're trying to deal with. So a bonus, I mean, that would be one-time money. So. One-time money. we got plenty of it. So with less of um, the revenue forecast is pretty good still. It's not quite as sunny as it was in the past couple of years, but it's still pretty good for the state. So looking at that, at that one-time money, I guess, would be where it would come from or the um, the Senate budget, of course, you know, the typical like House versus Senate, the Senate always wants to put more in savings. So you're thinking some of um, not ha designating as much for some of those other. That's exactly right. I mean, what are you saving for? It, you better save in that situation. If you're not going to pay to keep people when you have that hurricane, that terrible winter storm, anything like that, the amount you're going to have to pay the private sector, if you can get them to come in and do it, which, by the way, they're not going to come in immediately, um, like you can force your state employees to do, it would cause, it, it's just so fiscally not conservative to approach it this way. And that's what's resonating with rank and file members of the Republican caucus. Okay. We'll be right back with more with Artis Watkins, executive director of Scenic, some changes at Scenic recently, and our picks for headliner of the week. I'm also going to ask her what her go-to food is in the legislative cafeteria. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer State Capitol Bureau Chief Don Vaughn, here with Scenic Executive Director Artis Watkins. Before the break, we were talking about the needs of state employees, especially pay, with the vacancy rate, uh, turnover, retention, all of those issues as the House and Senate negotiate the final budget bill. So let's talk a little bit more about Scenic and about you. How long have you worked at Scenic? How did you end up there? I've worked at Scenic since 2001, and I came from the State Department of Labor. So we were talking about the elevator inspectors. We had a problem getting elevator inspectors to stay in the 90s. So that problem, like I said, is just on steroids now compared to what we remember. But um, I know very well how serious all those jobs are. Why did you want to work in labor, both the agency and then for CNET? I went to work for Department of Labor outside when I got out of law school because I was waiting for a public defender position to open up in Wake County, and I thought that's what I wanted to do, and took a temporary job at labor, and the rest is history. I got hooked by uh, workplace safety and workplace rights, and and just the phone calls that we had coming in from people in the public, and I, you know, I learned a lot that I had never learned in law school about 
labor and about this state and its relationship with labor. And just that the rest is history. So why, um, why do you think people work for the state, want to work in state government? Traditionally, it's because uh, you've got a really risk-averse crowd that will choose state government. It's very, it was very reliable in terms of moderate pay, never going to be great pay. You could always make more in the private sector, but you knew you were going to have solid health care benefits and a really good retirement benefit in that you would have a defined benefit, a retirement plan. And over the years, several things have changed. The health plan is definitely eroded over the years compared to what it used to be. Uh, new employees can no longer be guaranteed health care when they retire, which was a massive benefit. And the retirement itself, you, there was always a cost of living adjustment, a little bump for retirees every year. And that's not happened in years. And the reason is the systems wasn't funded for the you know, better part of the 2000s. And frankly, um, leadership under Senator Berger and Speaker Moore, they have funded the employer contribution to the retirement system better than anyone had in, in decades. So hats off to them for that. But all that damage was done to the system. And so now retirees, you know, you don't even have that out there for people to say, I see these retirees getting a little bump. I want that one day because they know it's not likely it's going to happen for them. Every time I write about state employees and teacher raises, I always hear from retirees saying, what about us? And we never, you know, they're, yeah. they're not happy about it generally. Oh, my goodness. No. I mean, retirees are really vocal because they, I think retirees have gotten the biggest raw deal of anyone. They really were brought into state government with the, the idea that that's what was going to happen for them. They would be taken care of to a degree, not, not given anything, but that they would have earned this, this little modest bump every year. And it, not getting that feels like a, a true betrayal to them. All right, well, we'll see what the retiree uh, COLA looks like. I mean, maybe a bonus and the, um, the final budget. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about Scenic. Scenic is not a union, it's been associated with union. So can you explain that and then some recent disassociation process that's going on? Yes. So Scenic affiliated with the Service Employees International Union, also known as SEIU, um, in 2008. And we've been a, a local part of SEIU since that time. That really didn't have a lot of genuine effect in North Carolina, other than the fact that SEIU would work in some elections here and definitely was a part of, you know, when we endorsed Governor Cooper, they were a, a part of that with us, and they've been involved with us for other governor's races. But for the most part, it was just an exchange of experiences between us and SEIU's other local leaders from around the country and what we're going through in the public sector and what they're going through because they have divisions. We're in the public sector division. But our board recently voted to begin the process of disaffiliation from SEIU. And that's mainly because SEIU has taken our directions, our paths have become really different in recent years. And they've taken a much more hardline partisan path, but also it's um, their plans for the South. They believe that, you know, a plan that's much more um, into strikes and things like that is appropriate 
our membership, that's not where they're at. Our membership is pretty much a cross sector of North Carolina politically. And they're more comfortable with an aggressive approach on policy. But I mean, you're talking about a lot of state employees. The law prohibits, prohibits them from walking off the job. But I'll be honest with you, we wouldn't do that if we if we could. Because, I mean, we're going to walk away from prisons and the animals at the zoo. You're going to walk away from people in DHHS facilities. It's just not, it wouldn't be us. It's not our, it's not the ethos of state employees. There is also, there's the, um, there is a local union that some, that some state workers, that service workers are in, the um, UE Local 150, I think it is. And Mm -hmm. those are like the health workers. So they're they're at the legislature also in a different way than Scenic is um, sometimes talking about, um, about raises and that. Um, the law that that artists mentioned is the um, North Carolina ban on um, collective bargaining by state employees, which I think was from the 50s was when that was passed. Well, there's, yeah, so the 95, 98, the, the prohibition on collective bargaining is there. And then there's the prohibition on striking. Right. So, you know, the collective bargaining thing, we when there was a Democratic supermajority, seen it. Rant tried to run a bill, had a bill sponsored to allow collective bargaining. We couldn't get it out of the Democratic supermajority. I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's changed anything in terms of the fact that we go down and try to negotiate the best deal we can get for state employees. And I think that was borne out when we were the first state in this entire country to get $15 an hour minimum wage for public and for our state employees. So let's talk about more state employees who work at the legislative cafeteria. I always ask a lawmaker this uh, this question. Of course, you spent a lot of time um, among lawmakers or have the past couple of decades here. So what's your pick for what you get at the legislative billing cafeteria or snack bar? Fried, fried squash. That's my favorite. Fried squash is a big favorite. It's like a certain certain day. I think. Uh, Wednesday, I think. Okay. When um, when I started uh, this beat, you know, for four or five years ago, someone suggested I get the fried squash, but um, I'm not really into squash, so. <laughs> uh oh, we can fix that. But I've that. heard it's a big favorite of it is a else. it's a hit. All right, uh, so uh, we'll end with our picks for headliner of the week. Uh, if you want to go first, uh, who or what is your headliner of the week? Tina Turner. I mean, Tina Turner was a legend for so many reasons, but for. Um, women of my generation and um, the generation a little bit ahead of me she was a really strong female role model who just was also like bad to the bone and incredible on stage so she was the entire package we all hoped we could be one day and none of us would ever achieve but the loss of tina turner this week to me was one of the biggest headlines of the week all right. My headliner is, if you all are listening to this on Monday, Memorial Day, that's my headliner of the week. Uh, you probably have seen uh, little American flags on display around around the state. Um, always uh, it's good to mention Memorial Day and Veterans Day are not the same holiday. Memorial Day is for those that have served in the military and died. Um, and if you've ever been to um, Arlington National Cemetery, or some of the other veteran cemeteries across the state, they often put those little flags up. And um, speaking of people who have worked in government, uh, for the federal government anyway, um, my grandfather, uh, multiple grandparents, but um, my dad's dad was a career um, army uh, soldier and officer, and he's at Arlington. So my headliner of the week is all of those that have served in 
uh, paid that ultimate sacrifice that we remember on uh, on this holiday and, and throughout the year. So um, pretty serious, our, our headliners. No. Last year we did movies. We've done sports, too. So um, good to end on, uh, on a variety of things to think about. Well, I appreciate you coming. Thanks again for having us. Um, and we'll see. I'll be, I'm sure I'll be talking to you more as the budget process plays out. Theoretically, it'll be mid-June. I asked Senate Leader Berger this again, or someone else did a press gaggle the past couple of days of what type of uh, timeline we're looking at for the, the conference budget. And he said mid-June. I've also heard from others that, um, you know, the session may not be done at the end of June. It could go into July and it could be the budget or other things. So we'll find out. All right, I'm Don Vaughn for the News and Observer, Scenic Director, Artist Watkins. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.